Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Andrew, aka the Cashflow King, is joining us. And I want to give a shout out to our friend Gonzo. He's traveling this morning and we wish him well. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Ripple has been dumping XRP, but this is a legal system they've created. We're going to just debate the difference between on-demand liquidity and programmatic sales and how that's impacting the price of XRP as we speak. While some of the largest financial firms on the planet are in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing you how many of our favorite cryptocurrencies are set to profit over the next 12 months. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, this is not a clickbait episode, guys. We titled today's episode, Ripple has been selling XRP, programmatic sales versus ODL. And just to show people what we're going to be going over later in the show, Johnny, this is a tweet from David Schwartz uh, that we got on Saturday night. And I want this to be very, very specific when we go over it. David defined programmatic sales versus the sales that they're doing with on-demand liquidity and only one of them is impacting the price of XRP right now. Programmatic sales is the answer, guys, and we're going to break down the details. But first of all, Johnny, how you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. Well, Abs, it's the start of a new week. Good morning to all the word maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you for showing up every single day. Uh, and great to see Andrew here. And, and yeah, definitely want to wish Gonzo a safe trip back from his vacation. Hopefully he had a good time, Abs. Absolutely. And we got the Cashflow King joining us as well. Andrew, we got some exciting topics prepared. We're also going to discuss Ethereum this morning and how an Ethereum ETF, it's almost a certainty in 2024. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody here from the Netherlands. Very rainy, rainy, rainy weekend. It was raining all the time. So I took the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to uh, make an, a new uh, video course in the Smart Investor program. It's about the reason why you should uh, have a trading journal. And the trading journal, there you, 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 you record all your wins. And if you look so now and then at your wins, you, you, you program your subconscious mind and you get more aware of, of what you're doing and it motivates a lot. So uh, I would highly recommend everybody to do that. Uh, uh, administer your wins and look so now and then at it. And uh, and this is also a win because we are today again in the Good Morning Crypto Show. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Absolutely, Andrew Cashflow. And you know it's exciting. We can tie that into an exit plan as well. If you have a goal, you need to have a plan. If your goal is to make $100,000, the first thing you're going to do is say, how do I get there? That's where Merlin comes into the conversation. And you can check it out, guys. 30 days absolutely free. But we're going to start off the show the same way we always do, by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. Johnny Crypto, on a positive note this morning, the market is up about 4% across the board. We've got HBAR up 14% on the day. GRT is up 15%. Filecoin is up 12%. And the Flare token also performing well, up about 4% on the daily. When we check out our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at 1.98 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 52% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 52,100. I almost said 42 there, Johnny. And I want to give you a shout out. You estimated we would be reaching that $2 trillion mark before the end of February. That almost seems like a certainty this morning, Johnny. We've also got Ethereum trading at 2,900. Solana is trading at 113. And XRP hanging out in that 55 cent range. And guys, we already got 335 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And believe me, this is going to be an XRP-centric episode, but I wanted to point out some of the tokens that are performing very well 
over these last couple of months. We're starting with Cardano, guys. Cardano over the weekend reached as high as 64 cents in value, up 24% in the last 30 days and up a near 60% in the last three months, Johnny Crypto. These types of gains are going to be hitting the crypto market overall, whether it's Solana, Cardano, XRP, Chainlink. We're entering a bull market and altcoins are known for pumping. What are some of your biggest takeaways about the tokens pumping today? Yeah, you know, Filecoin, the deep in sector is going to be big. I like, I love File. It's been one of those that's in my horses. I'm just really excited to see you come over to the dark side finally. Abs is finally a Cardano Max, guys. Mark the date, February 19th, 2024. I think Abs is finally realizing, you know, Charles Hawkinson and Cardano is not so bad. Johnny, I thought we promised no fake news on Good Morning Crypto. I no, thought we had no, that. You're right. There isn't fake news. It's real. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. And we got a ton of exciting news to get into, Andrew Cashflow. But VeChain's performing well. We had Solana performing extremely well. But HBAR is another token I want our listeners to keep an eye on. That is up nearly 14% on the daily chart. And as we look at the price chart in particular, Johnny, this is the highest we've been in over two years for HBAR. So I want our listeners to just check out this price chart. And then we'll get this show rocking and rolling with the topics that we have prepared. But look at what it's done over the last two and a half years. This token reached as high as 28 cents in 2021 if this price chart will ever load for me. And look at this. As we go back, we are clearly breaking out of this bearish trend and we have not traded above 10 cents since the start of the bear market. So this is a pivotal range for Hedera. And I think we could quickly turn this into a support. We also had VeChain doing something we've never seen before, exiting that three cent range, heading up to five cents, creating a support on top of four and a half. All of these are very bullish for the price charts. And to no surprise at all, cash flow, Ethereum is another token that's performed extremely well. I believe this token is up nearly 30% in the month. And Ethereum could be the next institutional darling, according to some of the biggest companies that exist inside the United States. That's no surprise at all. We talk about a free pass very often on our show. Ethereum, they're the one taking advantage of that. But let's get into some of our XRP content. And we're going to start with Andrew Cashflow on this topic. Did the Musk XRP wallet predict an all-time high? And yes, you're reading this correctly. So earlier this morning, I was doing a little bit of research on XRP scan. And what did I find? A wallet from 2017 that was labeled Musk. Now, here's why it's significant. A closer look into this intriguing saga reveals a fascinating tale. The Musk wallet, which is linked to a new user, intriguingly transferred XRP to an unnamed wallet now holding 17 million XRP. Remarkably, this wallet precisely timed the 2018 XRP all-time high, sending 300,000 XRP to Bitstamp just days before on December 3rd, 2017. And this is just an illustration showing you guys right when the money was transferred and what happened to XRP after that date. This is fun. This is not Conspiracy Friday. It's Conspiracy Monday, Johnny Crypto. And I don't want to put Andrew on the spot, so we'll start with you. What do you think of these types of conspiracy theories? Because I do think there's validity to some of these things. When we talk about people owning XRP, owning XLM. We know Jed McCaleb is very well connected with SpaceX, which is owned by Elon Musk. I don't think it's I don't think it's quite the leap to say Elon knows about XRP. The real question is, do you believe he owns it? Yeah, I mean it's hard to see. listen, the chances of Musk putting his name on it is probably in my opinion slim to none. I don't think it's his wallet. It's probably somebody else's wallet. But the, the reality is it's it's real. Somebody did it. And you should definitely keep an eye on that wallet because obviously whatever is happening there is, 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 you know, could be an indicator of something, but do I believe it's Musk's wallet? No, you know, he's not going to label his wallet, his name. I, I don't believe that, but, but <laughs> somebody's got some power there. So I would just keep an eye on it for sure. Yeah, but, but, but this is the fun, you know, this is the fun part of crypto because blockchain is open. Everybody can see it. So everybody is reacting on an, yeah. On, on moves that are, are happening in in the in the blockchain area and then they think oh, something is happening and then uh, people get nervous and they start because why does the price go up they only moved money you know to 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 a to, a, to an exchange and then the price goes up you know this is purely testing manipulation so does does that help and if you want to dump something you know make some fuss make some uh, make some noise and you can make noise already with just moving money from one location to another location you know it's fantastic it's a great example andrew and the one significant thing i would say is that regardless if it's a coincidence or not they did move this perfectly before xrp pumped so they moved their money on december 3rd and as we know from that point forward leading into the first week of january 
XRP went from about 50 cents to over three and a half dollars on some exchanges. So whether they know something or don't, that's what we can debate. But the transactions really do speak for themselves, guys. And we already got 425 people here. Show us some love and smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, check out this breaking news out of BlackRock this weekend as well. As BlackRock now owns 5.8% of the Bitcoin in the circulating supply, boasting a massive 105,000 Bitcoin valued at over $5.1 billion. Now, $5.1 billion in 24 days, that is ridiculous to try to wrap your head around. But here's what's even more important. We need to brace for this to happen with altcoins. We're going to see the Ethereum ETF get institutions foot in the door when it comes to many of these projects. Now, you can talk about XRP, but I really think that Solana is going to be one of the first ones that these institutions are willing to pump because the books say they own it. So what they own is what they're willing to profit off of Solana, Ethereum, these are going to be the first altcoins approved in the USA, maybe due to corruption, maybe due to EFGATE, maybe because some people believe they're the best technology, Johnny. But what I will say is it's almost inevitable with XRP being the only digital asset that constitutes itself as a non-security that products like this will be approved in the USA. It's just a matter of time. So I can roll into that Ethereum report, but I wanted to get some of your comments on BlackRock owning nearly half a percent of the circulating supply for Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, so what you're saying, first of all, it's no surprise there. I mean, we, we knew that once the ETF came in, BlackRock was going to be uh, gobbling a bunch of it up. They have to for the for the ETF. We knew money was going to come in. Five billion is nothing. If you remember, the estimates were 350 billion are expected to come in. So if you believe that, we still have a 70x to go from here. So that's why I'm super excited. That's point number one. Point number two, sure, Solana is going to get pushed and it's going to get pushed. You have to understand how money works. It's the VCs. There is a ton of venture to cap venture capital money behind Solana. And venture to capital money is not into something. They don't get invested in something to, to lose. And they don't get invested in something to make 3X. They don't care about 3X. They want 10X. They want 100X. And they're going to get it. And so Solana is definitely going to be, um, I think, one of those that gets a major, major pump. Which is why I want to have some Solana because again, I don't I you know you look at what that's right, pump it up. Yeah, they're gonna pump that son bitch up. So you gotta be you gotta understand how the game is played and you just have to know you have to follow the money. That's it. You gotta follow the money, you gotta be in the money before the map. You have to follow. Sorry, let me rephrase. You have to follow the smart money. You follow the smart money, you follow the institutional money, you follow the VC money. Because then what comes next is what's called the dumb money. That's the mass retail that then drives it up. So the smart money can get out. It's so sorry, guys. That's how the game is played. And so, you know, and think about it, Abs. The smart money was buying Solana at $8. The smart money was buying Bitcoin at $15,000. Now, look where we are today. You know, we're at $50,000 for Bitcoin. We're at $110 for Solana, right? These The smart money is, is making a ton of money right now. And it's just the beginning. And we always talk about having multiple horses in the race, Andrew. I think what's happening right now is a great example of that. For the first time ever, BlackRock and Fidelity are holding more than Michael Saylor when it comes to Bitcoin, as they're holding nearly 200,000 Bitcoin combined, valued at over $10 billion. Well, here's something even more historic. So for the first time ever on the Bitcoin price chart, we have passed the 0.618 on the price chart. What does that mean? That means out of our all-time high, we are past the 61% mark for the first time leading into the halving, which tells me one thing. There's more demand than ever when it comes to Bitcoin. We're going to tie that into altcoins right now, Andrew, because we already talked enough about Bitcoin. Let's talk about what big companies are doing so they can profit off things like Ethereum and Solana over the next 12 months. Ethereum could be the next institutional darling, says Bernstein, as the second largest cryptocurrency is probably the only digital asset other than Bitcoin likely to get a spot ETF approved from the SEC. What are they stating here? There's nearly a 50% chance of an ETF approval this May, and it may be the only other currency the SEC is willing to approve. Bernstein says there's a 50% chance of the Ethereum spot ETF approval in May and a near certain probability of an approval in the next 12 months. Companies like Franklin Templeton, BlackRock, and Fidelity all have Ethereum ETFs sitting at the SEC today, and they're stating this. Ethereum, with its staking yield dynamics, environmentally friendly design, and institutional utility to build new financial markets, is well positioned for mainstream institutional adoption. The broker notes that institutions don't just want to launch Ethereum spot ETFs, they want to build more transparent and open tokenized financial markets on top of the Ethereum network, adding that the utility is well beyond gathering the asset. Now, the last thing I want to point is there is a schedule, there is a scheduled upgrade coming to Ethereum this March 
where they're claiming that transactions could become 50 to 90% cheaper on the network due to their new rollups. But let's focus on what the institutions are doing here, Andrew, because we often say they're not going to talk about these products until they're ready to profit. Clearly, they're ready to profit off of Ethereum. What are some of your biggest takeaways? Mute button, Andrew. Okay, okay. But what I see here, here um, in, in, in the article is institutions want to build more transparent applications. And then I think, you know, I, I understand what they say, but central banks don't want this. So let's separate, in this case, central banks from institutions. Because central banks want to keep it closed. Nobody is allowed to know it. They want to print endless money. They want CDBCs. So what we really see, I think, also in the elite uh, uh, area, in the elite space, some see the advantages of, uh, of, of cryptocurrencies, and especially in, uh, in Ethereum, because Ethereum is a platform where, where you can easily build very good applications, financial applications. And also, you know, with the Ethereum virtual machine, that's already for years there. It's a very reliable and trustworthy machine. So, you know, we see a basic uh, uh, infrastructure is arising and more and more institutions are recognizing the possibilities. And, and don't forget, banks and, and, and or, or banks or in other institutions, they are already building for years on, uh, on Ethereum just to see the possibilities. And the only thing we need is next to an ETF, we need killer applications like we had email in the past you know when 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 the internet came up and 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 and, and a web browser uh, we we need a killer application for 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 an ethereum environment so i'm looking forward and i'm sure that in a couple of years we understand wow this was the killer application and we cannot even imagine what it is but but web3 yeah is bringing a lot of uh, possibilities for us here so uh, i'm yeah i think ethereum has a very good future potential but also uh, johnny spoke about uh, solana solana is more or less the same you know i think they are pretty much competitors of each other and and they will yeah, yeah you know so invest invest in both exactly yeah. andrew and we always talk about being diversified because when you put your all your money in one token this market moves in waves so if you had all your money in bitcoin yeah this thing's profiting right now but history tells us that when bitcoin rolls over and dominance moves into the altcoins Many of these altcoins are going to do a multiple of the pump that we're witnessing for Bitcoin, right, Johnny? History tells us less liquidity equals more volatility. That applies to the cryptocurrency market as well. And we already got 498 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And many of you are here for the ripple dumping. We're going to get into that right after this article. But I wanted to close it out with Johnny's comments here. Because remember this, Franklin Templeton, BlackRock, and Fidelity already have Ethereum ETF applications at the SEC. And the reason I'm corresponding this to the BlackRock article, Johnny, is because remember, it took 24 days for BlackRock to accumulate half a percent of Bitcoin's circulating supply. Imagine what they can do to altcoins considering the liquidity is only a fraction of what exists for Bitcoin. Floor is yours. Yeah, well, exactly. That's why I'm excited. The ETFs are going to do two things. They're going to drive liquidity into these things. That's going to drive the price up. And then secondly, it's going to create credibility for the rest of the space as well to some of them right so as these things become real it's going to and then third it gives it gives access to people to be able to start to dip into altcoins even though they don't even know what the hell they are they're going to end up wanting listen here's what's going to happen i already got my friends now asking me they're already saying hey Literally today, I got a text hey can you help me figure out how to get into crypto and you know it's funny they forwarded me the uh they forwarded me the, the video that Larry Fake was talking about how tokenization is coming. It's going to drive the world. And, and I'm like, dude, I saw that video four weeks ago. You know, people are just way behind. Yeah, they're so far behind. But my point to you is you can see it's already starting to happen. The awareness is starting. The, 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 the chatter is going to start to happen. You're going to start to hear your friends and your family members, you know, over the next holiday, start asking you a little bit more about crypto now. Because of the fact that now it's real, right? And as more ETFs come onto the stage, it's going to be even more real. And there's going to be even more money coming into it. And there's just going to be so much more, I think, upside to come. And that's why, frankly, you know, like I say, tell me, take your hand, turn that thing 180 degrees, pat yourself on the back. Don't break your arm when you do it. Because you are here early. You are. You finally had a chance 
everybody who's here in the chat and invested in crypto apps, congratulations. You forerun all the institutions. You got here before the big boys got here, right? That's right. And you get that hand roll. And so there's an opportunity really now to be able to ride the wave that's coming in. And boy, I think it's going to be a big wave that's coming. You're on mute, uh, Epps. Maybe his microphone went went dead. Yeah, his his microphone crept out. So I know that's kind of what I think. That's my take, Andrew. But what's your take on this wave of ETFs and crypto innovation that's coming? It's uh, it's unavoidable. You know, it's it's step by step. And I know Gary Gensler wants to slow down the the crypto innovation. He is just losing this game. Actually, for me, he is a loser now. You know, because we we, we all we learned a lot on uh, in MIT from from him, and we were all very happy in the past that we said, "Hey, he will be the the the, the chairman of the SEC, so he knows a lot, and he will be will be great." And then and then you know he he, 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 he yeah he just broke it all down and and and, and made made the delay uh, delay strategy, yeah. and so it's it's stupid. But you know, I think. The second ETF will be Ethereum. Then there will be an ETF for maybe Cardano, an ETF for XRP, an ETF. But then we also get baskets of several cryptos yes. for an ETF. For example, yes. 10% Bitcoin or 20% Bitcoin, 10% Ethereum, a little bit of, uh, of uh, 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 XRP, and that makes a basket. And, and then together, maybe with, with 10 or 20, 30% of smaller coins, you know? And you will see a lot of competition of companies. Uh, bringing ETFs to the market because yeah. they all have the special purpose. You know, you have a gaming M NFT, you have yeah. a, a payment NFT, you have a, a, a whatever NFT, an AI NFT, and uh, 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 sorry, NFT ETF. And you will, you also will have an, an, an NFT ETF probably. Can have ETFs for you're gonna have ETFs coming out of your ears. Yeah, ETF for every single segment in crypto. Yeah. But I think Abs has I agree with you, Andrew, 100 percent No yep. doubt about it. I think Abs has his mic back, so we'll kick it back over to him. Listen, guys, one of the things that we know for sure is these TradFi guys are excited to make money and volatility equals opportunity. If they can get into these markets and use five billion dollars worth of liquidity to pump their bags, Johnny, they're gonna do it. Five billion dollars is a drop in the bucket. BlackRock did that in only three weeks. Wait until they're entering projects like Solana, Ethereum, XRP, and so on. And we're going to get into our XRP articles that we have prepared for today. But I saw this Linda P. Jones tweet, and I just wanted to read it for our listeners before we get into the XRP selling information. Linda P. Jones stated this, all this concern that XRP will never rise in prices is debunked with David Schwartz's comment in a space about how countries didn't want another country creating a new world reserve currency because it gives that country too much control over others. They would, however, agree on a trustless system where no country was in control. And he said he said it as if a few people got wealthy, it wouldn't be a problem. So I remember the space that she's referencing here, Johnny. Long story short, what is she stating? Ripple is in the, is in the money-making business. They're revolutionizing the way that we transfer value across the internet. XRP is going to be the main form of value that is transferred within Ripple systems. And what she's stating is that common goal – we are sharing the same goal. More XRP liquidity, more people using the token equals higher prices for the community. So although Ripple's goal isn't directly pump the price of XRP, what they're doing with their business should have a positive result. That's kind of like the long story short summary. But what we're going to get into from- Hold on, hold on. Don't, no, that, that, that. Go back to that article. So let me just add a dose of reality here. So while, while I agree with David's upper part there that no country- is going to want to, you know, relinquish power to another country. 100% agree with him. He's spot on, right? But then he goes on to say, however, the second part, however, they would agree on a trust day. Thank you. On a trustless system where no country's in control. No, I don't agree with that either. Think about this. You're asking countries that all have some level of control to completely say we're going to all relinquish control and, and nobody's going to have control. That's a that's a complete reverse shift in mindset too that I find very hard to believe that countries are going to sign up. Oh yeah, sign me up for that. I want no control. So the reality is, the truth is somewhere in the middle. There's probably needs to be a, a stepping stone or a solution that's kind of somewhere in the middle where you have some control. I mean, just imagine you go to all countries. Oh yeah, you got to give control of your reserve of your currency. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I I 
I can agree that it's just that simple. Poof, flip the switch and it's done and it's over and everybody's going to agree. I find that hard to believe too. I think it's more like somewhere in the middle, some kind of hybrid system with some level of control. That's just my eight cents. Another thing I could add, Johnny, is that David Schwartz has even admitted publicly that they've gotten more resistance from the banks than they thought when offering these new systems. So it's go. not like Ripple's going into these banks and they're be being received with open arms. Get in here and make us some money. No, they're actually pushing their ideas out. And a lot of banks in a lot of countries don't want anything to do with Ripple's technology. Although there are 40 central banks publicly working with Ripple, there's over 190 on the planet. There's a lot of the market that still exists out there. And that's yeah. what we're going to get into for this. And next I think, week. Abs, you just touched on the key reason of why Ripple's struggling with adoption. When they went into this, and it's too late now at this point, but they went into it you know, more as being a competition to bankings, to banks rather than being a solution for banks. And therein lies the problem. If you're going to go in a bank to try and obsolete it, you're going to have a hard time getting a bank to take your technology. So it, it needed to be some solution where it solved the banking need, but also allowed the banks to make money. And, and, and I think their solution, I think they've now tried to figure out how to pitch a story that way because you need it. You need them to take it on if you're going to really have this technology work rather than replace it. Because if you try to replace it, you're talking huge amounts of resistance and you just said it david realized yeah we're getting yeah i think they just strategically started out the gate wrong but i think they're starting to adjust their strategy now on how to apply and get adoption for their technology let's hope so for all our sakes one thing we know for sure too johnny is that bank of america remained a partner of ripple through the entire sec lawsuit now they were really quiet they didn't make any public statements about ripple and obviously we wouldn't expect them to because that's just a liability for the company. But one of the things that we can take away is that there must be some sort of validity to the partnership if they're willing to sit in court with Ripple, right? They knew that Ripple was going to get sued, but they already had their own perspective on what would happen. And my assumption is they knew Ripple was going to be right. They wouldn't stay partners with a company that they thought would fail due to the SEC. We already got 585 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to get into some fascinating content right now. And I'm going to start off with this tweet I found from David Schwartz over the weekend. I titled this, Is Ripple Stifling XRP's Potential? David Schwartz was responding to the accusations of XRP being dumped by Ripple by referencing their Q4 2023 markets report. David highlighted this response. Ripple has continued to sell XRP only in connection with ODL transactions. Does this end the debate of Ripple dumping XRP? Obviously not, because we're going to give a lot more context here, Johnny. But one of the things I think all of our listeners should understand is since Ripple was sued by the SEC, they have not done any of the, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Programmatic sales. They have not participated in programmatic sales since being sued by the SEC, but they have continued to sell XRP in reference to on-demand liquidity. So we're going to break down the nuances there. But what is your first takeaway from this? We'll kick to cash flow. Uh, you muted yourself. I think they, oh yeah, duh. I think they learned their lesson abs at the end of the day, right? It's like, oh, okay. That's something we should have done. We got in trouble for it. So it makes sense. You know, you just have to go and re re adjust your strategy and make sure that you're not putting yourself in a position to repeat the same mistakes you made over again. And I think they learned. Listen, that's like anything in life, right? You make a mistake, you learn from it, you move on. You put your hand on the stove, you burn it, you don't ever do it again. And I think that's all this is a lesson of, unless if you're abs, you know, who has to you got to test that, <laughs> test that stove. I don't know. Check out a burner. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm just kidding. I love you, bro. But anyway, um, you know, so it's just one of those things where you live, you learn, and you move on. That's that's what happened. That's what's happening here. Castle, what are some of your ta biggest takeaways? Because there's been a lot of negativity in the XRP community in particular. But from my perspective, we're entering a bull market. There's AMMs being implemented. Smart contract hooks are coming to the network. There's a ton of positivity when you look at the fundamentals. So what's your biggest takeaway from David Swartz's response to, they haven't actually done any programmatic sales since the SEC sued them in 2020. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what can I say? You know, uh, uh, in, indeed, you don't, you don't want to burn yourself twice at the, at the same stove. So, uh, um, but, but you know, what, what's happening here? Uh, actually, I hear so much good news about XRP. And what see I go up? I see go up. Bitcoin, Ethereum, altcoins, and XRP is still <laughs> going sideways. So sometimes I, I ask myself, really, yeah, when, did, when does uh, XRP pump? I mean, I don't have the answer yet, but we know XRP always pumps the latest and the highest. So 
I'm very curious when that will happen, and maybe it will happen somewhere during the the the, the coming bull run. But uh, yeah, let's see. Still, I think they have an excellent product. They have excellent utility. So all the fundamentals are there to make this a huge success in the crypto market. And indeed, it's a threat for banks. However, if enough banks will accept the technology, other banks will see, hey, if we don't do this, we lose more money than if and we stay on our old uh, too expensive system for, for, for international transfer of money. So, uh, yeah, I think they just need to find momentum and they are doing it. You know, they are already working with 40 central banks. Let's double that uh, the next uh, year or the next two years and see what happens. I agree with you, Andrew. And this is something I think everybody who holds XRP should be aware of as well as Ripple's uh, Ripple's programmatic sales and the sales in connection with on-demand liquidity were explained by David Schwartz over the weekend. I'm going to read directly from his response, and we'll kick it back to Cashflow and Johnny to see what they think as well. This person asked on Twitter, can you provide a more detailed definition of programmatic and in connection with ODL? Sure, said David Schwartz. Programmatic sales are sales that take place on exchanges, generally by the market making, with a slight net bias towards reducing the amount you hold. So what does that say, Johnny? I feel like we should break it down in forms and make it super simple. It means that Ripple is entering these programmatic sales with the intention of selling more than they're going to purchase back, right? That's what he's saying here. Effectively, you sell an asset by helping other people both buy and sell that asset, but on the net, you sell more than you buy. Sales in connection with ODL occur when someone wants to make a payment where someone is using Ripple payments. For example, say someone wants to send a Mexican peso. One way they can do this is by buying XRP from Ripple at the moment they need to make the payment, sending the XRP to a Mexican exchange, and then changing the XRP for back to a Mexican peso. Then you can use this payment provider to make a Mexican domestic payment to the recipient. If Ripple buys back fewer XRP than it's sold in that payment, then it is a net sale in connection with ODL. I'm going to give you the floor here. I had a couple of bullet points, but do you have any reactions to David Schwartz's definitions? It's interesting to me, right, when he defines the programmatic sales because he does it very confusing. What they're saying here is that when they're doing programmatic sales, they have no intention. If they sell $100 million in the programmatic sale, they have no intention of purchasing $100 million back off the market. That, according to them, is to decentralize XRP. They're dispersing the tokens that they own, at least according to their Q4 market reports. Reminder. These sales haven't taken place since 2020, but now they're doing something very similar in connection with the ODL sales, where they're stating here, if you use the XRP to send your Mexican peso and we don't purchase the, the initial amount back, that is us diluting the market cap of XRP for ourselves. So David, brilliant guy, sometimes makes it a little bit more confusing than it needs to be. But what are some of your biggest takeaways, Johnny? And we'll go to cash flow. Well, I mean, it's just two different use cases as you're describing there is this one scenario where programmatic sales and you're talking about users wanting to providing liquidity so people can buy and sell XRP. Like if you want to buy and sell it, or I want to buy and sell it, there has to be liquidity for that portion. And then, and then when you're talking about the ODL and payment solutions, that's a completely different way to think about it in terms of, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm borrowing, you're borrowing XRP for a small period of time as you trans transpose you know, whatever you're trying to convert over, whether it's, you know, sending a payment solution across seas, right? I bring a million dollars in and I want to transpose it and send it to somebody in euros in a different country. I buy a million dollars with XRP. It goes over the system. It gets over to the other side within three to six seconds. And then it's resold instantly back into um, the, the whatever currency that, that that other side is, whether it's euros or whatever, you know, to, to rebalance its books. Because if I give, if I put it, bring a million dollars, and I and I want to give it to you, well, I can't, I can't put it, I can't send you a million dollars over the wire. It doesn't work that way. I can't send you cash through the phone, right, or through a line. But that bank can take my cash. It can go buy XRP. It can then transmit that that XRP to its other bank overseas. That bank can then sell that XRP so that it now owns the million dollars that I put in, right? So you get a credit in a debit situation. The bank I put it in debits it. The bank that it's going to credits it. And then they can issue, turn that XRP back into real money and, and then give it away. So that's really how that works. That's a very short period of time, but there needs to be a system. That's, that's in a nutshell what XRP does, right? It helps handle that conversion. And you know what? what's most important is that we understand 
that you need that XRP to transfer a million dollars only right. a couple of seconds. That's right. Yeah. So when, when will utility go up if the, that, that's the amount of transactions that will use or that will be done at, at, at the same time? So if we have 24-7 transactions running, then you should, should be able to calculate how much XRP is in use at a particular moment. And that drives demand. Bingo. And that goes to what we've been saying over and over and on the show. When we've been saying daily volume, the, the XRP daily trade volume is going to dictate the price of it. That's what we mean. Exactly what, you know, that, that transaction I described. Now, picture what Andrew just said. Having multiple of those happening throughout the day, every single day, is going to mean XRP has to be able to be priced at a certain point to be able to handle all that daily trade volume. If we're talking $100 million, there has to be enough to cover or maybe a billion or a trillion dollars of trades, a trillion dollars of trade, then the XRP number of coins times the price of it has to be able to cover a trillion dollars, right? Or whatever that daily trade volume. That's why that daily trade volume is so I was also just checking right there, Johnny. And what did I find back in the 2021 bull run? The average daily volume during this spike right here was over $1.2 billion a day. Right now, we're doing about half that. So even during this bear market, we're still continuing to see trade volume increase. In a bull market, we've seen estimates where if we see the daily trade volume reach as high as $10 billion, that's how we get these massive price targets, right? Liquidity oh. drives demand. Volatility creates opportunity. And I think there's a lot of that in the XRP price chart, especially with everyone being overly pessimistic. I just want to remind our listeners, we are grinding in the right direction here. Yeah, we're not seeing the explosive gains like Ethereum and Bitcoin and Solana, but we're creating higher lows and higher highs slowly over time. And it's only it's only safe to assume, Johnny, that at some point a wedge is formed. What's the momentum? It's either going to break up or it's going to break down. And right now, the long-term timeframes tell me XRP just finished a bear market. We are overdue for some bullish momentum here. I just wanted to close that out. What are you? Let me thoughts? just say what let me just kind of sum up what, what Andrew and I are talking about versus what you just showed. You're showing the daily trade volume of that of of that of the, of the price chart, right? That is so small compared to what we need it to be to be able to handle trillions of dollars. Those numbers are peanuts because we are still in what's called the speculative. And I wish we had that chart. This would be the perfect time to show it. There's a utility chart, right? We where we know speculation versus utility chart. And, and so right now we are 100% in the speculation phase of any of this stuff versus full-blown utility we're not anywhere there it is you found it we're nowhere near the 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 area of utility where what andrew and i was talking about where you have there you go yeah that's the one where you have millions of transactions happening daily that are piling up thank you that's the one so we're in the yellow right we're in the yellow stage right here and so now that just means the price of xrp is not going to be based on the utility of what it can do, the daily trade volumes that I'm talking about that's going to hold a sustainable price. We're nowhere near that. That's all the way at the far end of the S-curve, you know, 10 years from now, okay? What we're in today, in the next one to five years, is this whole speculation phase of what do we believe it can be? And speculation is driven on VC money, attention money, all, you know, all the kind of money that's going to come in, the excitement narratives that are being spilled out there and as i've been saying xrp's got an old narrative so the question is what's the new narrative to bring excitement to, to for money to come into that speculative phase and drive the price up that's what we're all waiting for a bull run a bull run kind of does that naturally because more money just finds its way into this space and so the question is how much will find itself attracted over to xrp in this current bull run nobody knows the answer to the question yet but I know we're all hoping that there's enough to drive us through the all-time highs. And that's what we're going to have to wait and see, my friend. Something else very important to note right now, Johnny, is the fact that two big amendments are coming to the XRPL, smart contracts and tokenized assets. When those two things happen, we're going to see a whole plethora of new use cases be implemented. Remember, we are in, we're not in adoption phase. We're still in speculation. And I think that's what Johnny was just highlighting with that price chart and everything else. That's very beneficial to our listeners because if we were in the adoption phase, I'd be sitting here telling you guys we should have been buying three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. We're in the speculative phase. This is when people like us can finally make that generational wealth, profit, put a little bit of wealth to the side, and maybe put it into real-world assets 
like a home, like a business, like a rental property. These are things that we're doing in our own life. But guys, we got 615 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. I'd love to hear from the live chat. Put a one in the live chat if you have heard the rumors about Let XRP Breathe, whether that's on Twitter, YouTube, or whatever. Put a two in the live chat if this is new information to you. I'm going to play a brief video right now explaining how Ripple has programmatic sales of XRP and what that means for the token in and of itself. So XRP market makers are true. XRP market maker GSR has a massive impact on the XRP price and they have a lot of bots actually working on the XRP system to actually create a zero neutrality balance on the XRP value itself. Now there's a lot going on at the moment. If you look at 589, go to exhibits one all the way down to exhibits 30. Go read the deposition of the GSR um, team leader and the marketeer and go look at the CFO. There's a lot in here to unpack. So I'm going to try and get through this very quickly. Basically, what happens is, is the ODL is actually a big problem on the balance sheet. The way the ODL works is it's actually centralized exchanges, thanks David Schwartz, but it also turns out that that is 100% true. Now, the ODL itself actually has an interesting negative balance on the balance sheet. So say if I do an inter-country um, payment, then I'm taking liquidity a lot out of that one country. Uh, they found out it had a negative impact on the balance sheet itself for the price of XRP. So what they ended up doing was they ended up talking to JSR and what they do is uh, Brad Garlinghouse sent out an email, which is again on the documents, sent out an email saying you need to do 100% reversal of anything that buys or sells with inside of the exchanges when it comes to inter-country. What that means is you, be you become net neutral. You become a zero value. So if I send 2 million across and I sell it, they're going to buy 2 million back. There is no price increase. There is no price increase based on the usage of XRP itself with inside of the ODM. This is where usage actually becomes zero. All right. So let's debate it right there, Johnny Crypto. So what he's saying there is that the ODL only allows people to use that XRP for a moment, and then they're not even purchasing back more than they're offering. So it's driving the price of XRP down over time because they're diluting the market cap of XRP. Really quick before you give your response, I was doing a little bit of research on the XRP price chart this weekend. Something that's very important to note for everybody who holds this token, back in 2021, the circulating market supply for XRP, this is very important, was only what, 45 to 46 billion XRP? We're now up nearly 9 billion XRP in the circulating supply, meaning it's going to take a lot more liquidity to move prices for this token. We now have 54 billion XRP circulating outside of exchanges. I mean, inside of exchanges as well as in internal wallets. What does that mean to you, Johnny Crypto? I have my own thoughts, but I don't want to steal the thunder. It means there's still a lot more dilution to come, my friend. There's still 45 billion tokens that can come in and theoretically cut this price almost practically in half. So what are we at today? 55, 56? So worst case scenario, if you got no lift, if you got no new liquidity and you just injected the remaining coins, you're talking about, I, and that's how I like to look at these things as worst case scenario. Now, most people don't like to do that, but I like to know the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is you put another 50, you know, 45 billion coins in the market. This price is really sitting around 30 cents. That's what your floor is. That's what the real price of this is. If you were to put all that liquidity in one shot or, or sorry, all those coins into one shot um, without the ability to, you know, without any new liquidity coming into it, you're looking at about a 20 or 30 cent coin. So, it's, it's a good way just to understand your 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 bottom, you know, where your low point is. Now, pra in practicality, that's not usually how it works. They usually will, you know, inject new coins and then there'll be no, some new liquidity that kind of offsets so you don't really see much of a price increase. But that could be one of the reasons why XRP has been acting so much like a stable coin because this new liquidity comes in. If new coin, you know, that brings it up, but new coins come in, that brings the price down and you're sitting flat because they're matching the new coin injection with the new liquidity injection and you just end up with a flat neutral and that's kind of where we are and that's why everybody says xrp is not a security you're right it's not a security because it's a stable coin <laughs> that's what i like and i didn't get that's just a joke but the reality is you can kind of see how the two things offsetting each other can lead into a neutral price so you know what we actually need we need a new use case for xrp and preferably not a use case where you only need your xrp couple of seconds but where you need to hold your xrp for maybe a day a week a year so that it is also becomes more or less a store of value 
but you know it is not designed for that but if an application would arise within the xrp ecosystem where you need yeah where you just need the xrp to hold value or to to do something that would be great because that would would immediately increase the demand and then and then the price will go up but up till that i think they will dilute the money uh, the, the dilute the market and it will go sideways and it can go sideways for a for a long time so but yeah we'll see what uh, what happens in the in the near future maybe they make that a great uh, great application you know that's what i you know when you think about it i agree with you andrew i've been saying it for a while on this show that we actually need what we really truly need here is a new use case or a new narrative right a new story because the whole story of being the central bank digital currency or being a cross-border payment solution it's played out and it's done and it, it really the only thing that helps drive value for the price because it's it's borrowed you're borrowing it quickly and then you're getting you're releasing that xrp you're never holding it which means you're never taking demand out of the market which means the only value driving up again is the daily trade value which is the price it has to support um which which isn't a great narrative but if you have all these other use cases like they're adding custody they're adding tokenization automatic market maker where you're actually burning xrp or you're actually taking xrp out of the market when xrp becomes part of an etf you're taking xrp out of the market all those things will ultimately lead to demand coming out you know supply being held up or being taken out of the market and that can actually potentially drive the price up so i agree with you we need to see other things happening and we know they are working on other things that's what should give everybody some hope here but in terms of speculation you can see that nobody's excited about these narratives yet the narratives are out there people know xrp is in custody they know they're in tokenization the question is when is that gonna hit some when is either some vc money gonna come in and back it or is there going to be some you know story or narrative that hits and really gets money to flood into the space that's what we're gonna have you, to wait to see. you know what i will do i will call uh, greg and i will say i come on with that application you know i, I play tennis with him every week so uh, maybe next time i talk to him and i say there come on we need an additional application where you take xrp out of the market we need a price increase so uh I call your boy Larry. Get Larry Fick on it. Tell the get, get Johnny, I think you're going to love this information too because people are – here's the thing about the programmatic bots, right? People are taking a very optimistic approach like, look, they're suppressing the price of XRP. When they turned it off in 2017, we went from $0.50 cents to nearly $4. Here's the reality. That's market manipulation by definition. If they are tweaking the price of XRP to go up or to go down – that is something that we would have to deal with on a different type of situation here. And I'm going to break down some details because David Schwartz actually hinted at what exactly could be going on. We got 610 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny, I'm going to read directly from this. Kick it straight to you. So in response to this video where this man we just showed you was elaborating on Ripple selling XRP in response to ODL, someone asked this. Brad Garlinghouse, would be nice if you, Ripple, or David Schwartz had some opinions here. David stated, I understand caring about how much we sell, but honestly, I don't really understand why people think it matters so much exactly how we sell XRP. Yes, we choose when to sell. Yes, we choose how much to sell. And everyone can see how much XRP comes out of the escrow and how much goes back in. This is where the conversation gets interesting. Dark Horse responded, stating, thank you for sharing your thoughts. The potential return of bots on Ripple's past practices raises valid concerns about transparency. While monthly escrow releases are routine for holders, the method of disimbursement remains a topic of ongoing discussion. Has Ripple ever considered giving XRP a break for a month or two? Let it breathe, in quotes, in reference to the XRP emails with Brad Garlinghouse. Stopping the sales just a month could allow for it to find a new price discovery point. Or is this pattern set to continue in this distribution for the next 14 to 17 years? Is it set in stone? Ripple has pivoted along in the past six years, but its escrow release and sales still haven't changed. This has been consistent. Could the patterns change? Great questions. David responded, are you asking us if we've considered manipulating the price? Dark responded, would this let it breathe statement where you don't put XRP up for sale be classified as manipulation of the price? David responded, that's what I don't understand. Either it is or it isn't. There's no third alternative. I don't think what you're saying makes sense in either case. If it's manipulation, why are you asking us to do it? If it's not, then what is the entire issue even about? Let's pause for some comments here. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. 
Yeah, that's a great comeback. Uh, and it is a very fascinating perspective because, you know, when you think about manipulation in, 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 in what they're doing in terms of buying and selling, it would be best if they weren't involved in buying and selling, but that's how they're getting. Listen, let's face it. Ripple doesn't have an income stream, right? I mean, maybe they're making some software products and they're charging. I don't know. But the reality is, where do you think the majority of their money is coming from? It's coming from the buying and selling of XRP. That's how I think they're funding themselves right now. And so, you know, it's a very fine line. It's a tricky balance between what they're doing because releasing the escrow and having a certain time, that's one thing. Don't get that confused. Like they have it. It's set in stone. It goes out. If it doesn't sell, it goes back in. We all know how that works. Full transparency. Now you're talking about a second thing. You're talking about similar to the way companies do stock buybacks. They buy their stock and they sell their stock. And so this is kind of where I think we're getting on the hairy line of an XRP, you know, as any, every company has the right to do that, as does XRP. Ripple can go, I mean Ripple, not XRP. Ripple can go in and they could do what, what, what they want. If they want to come in and they want to buy XRP at a certain price and sell it at another price. They're welcome to do that too. The, and they do need to disclose that. And I think people see those numbers. They just don't like, I think people don't like that it's being done because they think it's, you know, to some degree suppressing the price or possibly holding it down. Because as I talked about earlier, as you're, as you're, you're potentially adding liquidity, but then you're, you're also adding, if you're adding new coins out there, that's a problem. Now that's not what they're doing when they're buying and selling. They're just taking advantage of highs and lows. And, you know, it, it, you, you can't, I mean, to some degree, it's kind of hard to ask a company to to not do what it needs to do to survive and put money in its bank so it could then go and develop technologies and products to feed you know the universe once the utility comes into it. So it's a very, very tricky thing, Abs, at the end of the day. But I would love to see what David's response was to that kid's question. Here's what's interesting, Andrew. Remember at the beginning of the show, we talked about how David said he wasn't getting the response that they thought they would from banks. They thought they were going to go to banks, be welcomed with open arms. Here's a more re reference document here about how David, he actually thought that they were going to be distributing more XRP over the last couple of years. We were originally hoping to get our holdings way down in just a few years, mostly using giveaways. That strategy just didn't work. We don't want to be holding XRP for lots of decades, but it's not clear what other options we have. I believe the primary drivers of XRP price have almost nothing to do with any factors specific to the XRP ecosystem. Very interesting. Once again, David Schwartz is kind of hinting at things that we've referenced on our show for quite a while. But Andrew, what are some of your biggest takeaways? And then I'll continue. Yeah, you know, I, I understand. I understand what he says, you know, like like every company, if you build a new product, you know, you are very enthusiastic about your product and you think, you know, the the the, the customers will line up and they will queue up for you to, to buy your product. And once your product is in the market, then almost nobody is buying so and then it takes i also I'm, I'm also an entrepreneur and sometimes when i start something new i need to calculate with with my revenue but take the worst case situation divide it by 10 and that's your revenue for the first couple of years and then you have to build up momentum slowly and, and go from there and i think i mean it is also no look it is not a luxury a situation where Ripple is in at the moment, you know, they also are strong. You, you, you see what, what, what David Swartz says, you know, he also thought it would have gone different, but okay, you know, it is what it is. And in the end, I believe it's, it, it's a product in the market that central banks must need just to do the, the cheaper uh, international transfers and bank, bank transfers. And, and, but it can take a while till their old, the old banking cash cows are eaten. So they will protect it as long as possible. And that, yeah, that will uh, jeopardize a little bit uh, the, the Ripple company. And, and we see the price of XRP not going up. So, you know, we just need to be patient and, and, and we'll get there. Johnny Crypto, I wanted to add this as well, because when we're talking about the escrow, I think it's important to reference why it was originally established. Let's check out Ripple's white paper in their PDF report. I agree with some of your points. This person said to David, XRP liquidity hasn't met expectations. Ripple established the escrow for more than more than storage listed below in the objectives of creating the escrow. It aimed to boost the volume and price appreciation of XRP. However, volume has decreased with DEX usage down nearly 75% according to the recent market reports. This is why I raised the question, has Ripple considered holding back on its potential strategy? 
This is where David disappeared into the dark, my friends. But Johnny, I thought that was an important detail here because we often talk about the escrow. Remember, the escrow wasn't built for Ripple to sit on a billion XRP or sorry, 50 billion XRP tokens and profit off of the price growth. The, the escrow's intention was to be used as a way to distribute XRP to banks in a safe way throughout a long period of time. Now, has that been effective? In some ways, yes, it has been very effective. Getting 30 central banks to partner with you is a win, right, Johnny? I feel like I'm going to put you on the screen just so I can see your face. Do you agree with me, though? When it comes to XRP, a lot of people are overly pessimistic. We are working with 30 central banks. We are, in we are partnered with Bank of America. We are at the World Economic Forum events standing next to Klaus Schwab in his Darth Vader suit. I think these things are very important for the everyday investor, but you close us out and uh, we'll address the user poll for today. Well, I mean, so what you're talking about here was an ideology when they launched and created the company and the product and what they were thinking, how the system was going to work. And they created this escrow to be able to slowly have a pile of, of XRP available there to be able to distribute to whether it's central banks or whatever needed, whichever entity needed the, that, that extra XRP to be able to facilitate the transactions of the solution or the system they were trying to build. And what happens over time is when you launch something and you have an idea, you know, trust me, I know when we did it with Merlin, you, you have a certain vision of the way things work. And then there's practicality when you launch it and you realize the reality of what it is. And I think that's Dark Horse asks a great question there is, hey, at the end of the day, you guys started this thing with a certain vision. It's not working. David even admitted it right there in his, in his tweet that, hey, what we originally thought was going to work hasn't worked. And that's why they've changed their strategy, Abs. They're buying and selling because they need to find a way to keep the, to keep their company alive and pay their employees so they can keep this thing going until they can create a real revenue stream. Let's face it. They don't have a real revenue stream yet. What revenue stream do they have? What products are they are they actually making money on? Who knows? I don't know. They're not a public company, so we can't see their data. They're, we can't see their, 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 their financial statements, but we kind of know they don't have a lot of products out there that are generating income. In fact, if you remember, you and I, we spoke to one of their engineers and he literally said, yeah, we're trying to be a pub. We're trying to be a, a surviving company. We're trying to survive. Right now, they're surviving off their own, off their own, <laughs> off the XRP of what they're buying and selling. That's how they're putting money in the bank. And that's not a long-term sustainable solution. So I agree with Dark Horse, the question, and I hope Joel comes back, or Joel, I call him Joel because that's what he calls himself. I hope David comes back and answers the question. Have they thought about adjusting their strategy based on what they've learned today? Because any smart company knows you need to tweak and you need to adjust your plan or your strategy. If what you thought was going to work isn't working, then you need to do things different. So fair question by Dark Horse. Maybe they should change the way they handle the escrows. You know, maybe we don't want to be putting in, and we've got another 9 billion XRP in the market that doesn't really need it right now. We don't need another 9 billion in the market. And if you took that 9 billion out, you would see, obviously, the price of XRP would be higher right now. And as they continue to put more into it, it's only going to continue to drive it down. We don't listen need to it. this, Johnny, just doing mental math, right? 9 billion is for give or take 18 to 20% of the circulating supply has now entered the market. That means you could apply just off the fundamentals an 18 to 20% price gain for XRP. Right. If we hadn't diluted it by those 9 billion, what does that do? Takes us from about 55 cents to just below 70. These are pivotal ranges and it is having an impact just based on the price charts, because if we were trading at that 70 cent range, while Bitcoin is heading into all-time high, while we have the halving in April, we'd be much more optimistic. I think it's that we're still trading in this 50 to 55 cent range. And these are retail discussions and retail debates. I'm sure the big boys aren't debating 20, 25 cents here, but it is an important narrative. Andrew, I'd love to give you a chance to close it out. 30 seconds here. What are you, what's your reaction to all this information? <laughs> be patient, be patient, be patient. You know, it's a good product. And uh, also, I would say, I see here, uh, I'm tired of uh, XRP haters. I see that in the chat. And, you know, it's not about hate or love. You know, diversify in the markets and uh, uh, do your asset allocation wisely. Do not only trust on, on XRP. You know, buy the bigger the coins, the, 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 the Bitcoin, the Ethereum, the, the Solana. XRP should be of your basket. And also buy a basket of smaller coins and and just have have a strategy, have an entry strategy, have an exit strategy. That's what 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 we also do in the. It's of course with Merlin, but if you really need to know or like to learn 
how to set up an exeter, how to calculate an exit strategy. That's what I what I guide you here in the in the in the smart investor program. You know, you get personal guidance, you get group guidance, and uh, and we make you know we make money all the time. Is it not in the in the in the stock market? Is it in the crypto market and vice versa? So. Uh, you know, we're all yep. over, almost at the hour. Apps uh, close us out. Amazing, Cashflow. I want to give a special thank you to Johnny Crypto and Andrew Cashflow. And this was the user poll we ran today. Is Ripple selling having a significant impact on the price of XRP? 58% of our 420 votes voted yes, guys. I want to give a special thank you to every single one of our listeners in the live chat. We got 575 people here. Stop clicking that, please. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we got Waters Above joining the show this Wednesday. So we're going to have a very exciting episode. We love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Let's go.